Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on Suddenly. I I really believe all of last week was just a prophetic word um, about the 40 days from April 23rd to May 1st and 40 days that Jesus hung out after the resurrection and then after he left, we know that he sent his disciples to wait for 10 more days. Wouldn't it have been awesome if they'd known it was 10 more days? You know what I mean? Like, hey, go 10. But they had no idea how long it was going to be, just like we have no idea how long it's going to be on some of the things that we're waiting for and looking for. But we have to continue to obey. And so they go for 10 more days. And um, I just really think there's a prophetic picture for us here in Knox County, even in churches here, and specifically our faith family. Uh, I felt like the Lord just spoke to me that 40 days was a time to to uh, refocus, to uh, concentrate on family, to potentially rest, those of you that can't rest normally. And uh, can I just make a little disclaimer? I know we have no time for rabbit trails because we're already in trouble, but I just want to take one, okay? Um, do you know that rest is not the absence of work? I just want to be incredibly clear. Um, I know my mother being the chief of all, that intentions are so noble and so pure. And the other mothers, Diana Marshall, and others that have tried to help me over the last few weeks to rest more. And I understand that there can be a line where you need to rest I discovered that this morning at about three. Um, But uh, rest is not the absence of work. I don't think that you can ever work too much. Oh, that's stupid. I mean, you're an idiot. I mean, of course you can. You know how many people's lives are being ruined? Husbands are working too much. Wives are working... You can never work too hard. You can just work at the wrong things. When you check out of your office, whether you're working 40 hours or 60 hours a week, I know people that work 40 hours a week and go home and stop working. I know people that work 60 hours a week who go home and work 40 more on their family, and they're way more successful than the person who works less. Man, we're made to work. We're made to work. The problem is exhaustion comes when you're working on the wrong things. Galatians 6, 9 says, don't grow weary in working, but keep working knowing that you will reap in due season when it's due. And so if you're doing what you're, if you're working at the right thing, you can never work too hard. And so I understand how mamas help, but I just, throughout this last few weeks, I know so many of us have worked really hard, and I'll tell you right now, I feel great. I feel wonderful. I got a few calluses that I haven't had in a while, you know, breaking out the working hands again, you know, but I feel great, and um, so you can't work too hard. I don't remember where we were before that. I am a little compromised mentally this morning, but... (laughs) Other than that, I feel good. So, 
Um, but I just want to jump in real quick. Uh, we were, t- we were, that's what it was. We were talking about resting for 40 days and you weren't supposed to check out. Some people were like, what are we going to do with all this time? I'm miserable. Well, you quit working. You were supposed to reallocate your energy and effort. You weren't supposed to take time off. You were sp- God gave you an opportunity to shift your efforts. You were supposed to work just as hard at what he had put in your hand to work at instead of checking out and taking time off. And so we talked about how some of us may have missed it in the 40 days, just like Jesus' last discussion with the disciples before he ascended after 40 days proves that they still had not yet got it, what he was trying to communicate to them. But we know that on the, in, in the book of Acts chapter 2, we know that they were in a place of receptivity when the Holy Spirit fell upon them like cloven tongues of fire. And so during that 10 days, a supernatural work took place in them, a work of separation, a work of sanctification, a work of preparedness, which I believe takes place in every heart of every believer that's willing to prepare them to go from glory to glory to glory. And so I challenge you guys, I don't know what y'all have done this week. Some people probably already rated this service and said he missed it. He said on May 10th, it's going to be like a bomb. It is. Today's a bomb. It's beautiful, and it's amazing, and it's wonderful. And it has nothing to do with this room. If you're concerned about the bomb not happening, then you are like the disciples that he talked to right before he ascended. You still don't understand what the bomb dropping looks like. You thought it was going to happen during your favorite song, and they didn't sing it, so Pastor Michael missed it. Right? Right, we didn't have the manifestations that we're used to signifying that it was a really powerful time, and so the bomb didn't drop. The bomb is still in the air, if you will, looking for a place to land, and maybe thus far you haven't been that spot today. So maybe we don't know what happened the hour before. It was 10, 40 days, 10 days, but there was also an hour before. There was also 10 minutes before, but then you know what happened when it was time? You know what word was there? Suddenly. Suddenly. It happens suddenly after time. (laughs) And so I don't know what the suddenly is, and I don't know what the moment is, but I still believe God that May 10th is a significant time and season on the calendar of God for the people of this faith family. And suddenlies are taking place. I believe suddenlies took place this morning. Maybe suddenlies took place in some of your kids listening to the story about a cucumber and a pickle. Our religious mindsets so throw out so many times what God's trying to do because we're so smart. In Acts chapter 2, on the day, starting verse 1, on the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly, everybody say suddenly. They heard the sound of a violent blast of wind. They heard the sound of a sudden blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. 
The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. How many people are ready for wind like that? My good friend Robin Crystal Alley wrote a song called Wrecked. There was a time a few years ago of 90 days of outpouring at a church in Chattanooga where we used to be on staff, Redemption to the Nations. We were so uh, hungry for a move of God. We would drive down there, and it was such a powerful time. My three oldest children, Elias, Nisi, and Josiah, I don't remember their ages at the time, Seven, eight, and nine, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, with evidence of speaking in tongues and prophesying over people. So powerful. Such an amazing time. But they wrote this song called Wreck, and it says, if you come any closer, I don't remember exactly how it all goes right now in this moment, but if you come any closer, I don't know if I can take it. It may like... You know, I want the presence of God like that. I'm so tired of it being neat and clean and prescribed and safe and sanitary. I want to come in here and wear a mask and be six foot apart or whatever, but in the spirit, I want to be wild and reckless, don't you? And suddenly this took place. It was more than they could bear. Then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes and separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. How in the world can anybody read the passage I just read and only take away from that that we can speak in tongues? You want to receive the Holy Spirit? Okay, let's speak in tongues. How about, okay, let's get in a room and look for a pillar of fire. Huh? Huh? Hey, let's come into one accord and just sit and wait and actually ask God to send his Holy Spirit, the free gift on us all. And let's look at the creative ways that he'll demonstrate and manifest that gift to us. Let's do that. Sometimes I don't like to be called Pentecostal. I am Pentecostal, but I don't like to be called that because I don't think it really connotates what we're really trying to encompass in the name. Pentecost was a day. I don't want to recreate that day over and over again and try to get to that point over and over again. I want to get to points that have yet been unknown, just like they got to points that had yet been unknown. Pentecostals should not be trying to recreate past moments. They should be looking for new moments. That's the whole point of Pentecost. That's the whole thing that took place was a bunch of people hungry and desperate, obediently waiting and consecrating themselves and receiving the fullness of heaven suddenly in a moment. That's what I want. More than I can bear. I want to leave church sometimes, not because the service went over and not because I'm afraid I'm going to meet lunch. I really genuinely want to leave some days because if I think if I stay one more minute, I'm not going to be able to breathe. Yeah. 
Let me tell you something, May 10th is happening. It's happening right now. I'm imparting something into you right now. And if you'll receive this hunger, it'll change your life. I believe this in the kingdom. The hunger for something, the gift of hunger for something is the same as receiving that something. You hear me? Because he says, whatever you ask, you shall receive. The greatest problem we have is a lack of hunger, a lack of desire, a lack of passion. So if today I can impart into you passion and desire for a pillar of fire and cloven tongues of fire to rest on you and sit on you and to transform you, then it'll be a May 10th that you'll never forget because this day will mark you. And when you begin to walk in fullness that you've never known before, you'll be marked by the day that you begin to hunger and you begin to thirst after the things of God. And you'll find that he's never left anyone forsaken or their seed begging for bread. So today, may not be the fulfillment, but it is the fulfillment. Be holy as I'm holy. In an instant, you're holy, but then it develops over time and you become holy. Today, you're becoming filled with the Holy Spirit. This moment, you're becoming full of the Holy Spirit because it's a guaranteed thing in the kingdom. If anyone hungers and thirsts after righteousness, they shall be filled. So today, if I get you hungry, I can get you full. 100% guaranteed. And so it suddenly took place. I know we got to hurry. Sorry. Not sorry. Think about what it is and not what it ain't, okay? <laughs> what it is is I'm preaching past 1230, but it's real good. What it ain't was a three-point and a poem, and we got out at 1145. There are some places that that's what it is, and you can go there, but if you come here, it's more likely going to be what it ain't. I told y'all on live stream, I done got free. <laughs> so, I'm having fun again. <laughs> you want me to be completely real, real, real transparent? I'm a pastor. My primary job is to minister the word of God, care for the flock. This week I've been building. I wasn't gonna share this because it's kind of self-gratifying, but here's the reality. I'm gonna show you some vulnerability and some weaknesses as well, because it can be construed, construed as failure. Whatever day it was, Thursday. Thursday morning, I woke up and I came to the church. Got up about 8.39 because we had worked till three or four the night before. I came to church. We worked till 2 a.m. in the morning. At 2 a.m. in the morning, Friday night, I started taking inventory 
And I started counting the hours. And I said, you know what? If I go home and sleep four hours, this ain't going to get done. So you know what I did? I went and bought some double shots of espresso. And I worked all night. And I worked all day. And I worked till 3 a.m. last night. And I went home and I went to bed. That's what I did. That's what it is. You know what it ain't? It ain't, I didn't lock myself in a room for 20 to 40 hours this week preparing this beautiful sermon. I didn't lock down my points and have this amazing outline. In the past, that would kill me. Oh gosh, I'm not prepared. I'm not prepared. Matter of fact, when I laid my head down on my pillow at 3 a.m. last night, I didn't even know what I was going to tell you today. And when Jahan woke me up at 8.30 this morning, I still didn't know what I was going to tell you. And I began to get a little concerned. <laughs> she brought me coffee in bed. And I drank it. And I had the sweetest hour with God. From 8.30 to 9.30. And he just reminded me of what I don't need to fabricate in the amount of hours that I put in, even though I do want to do due diligence to do my job. But I just have to release what he's put in me. Yes. Some days it may look like laying the floor, which I didn't do. Thank you guys that did that, primarily Jeremy Bean. Some days it may look like loving the heck out of my kids and my wife and not touching anything to do with this church. But that's my job. And I can never work too hard. And I feel good. In Acts chapter 9... I'm just going to paraphrase the rest of this so we can hurry, but it's important. Acts chapter 9, Saul, still breathing threats to kill the Christians, is on a road to Damascus, and what happens? What happens? Suddenly, a light shines, knocks him off his donkey. When did Saul become Paul? Yeah, we're all going to look theologically and we're going to say, okay, when did da 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 When did Saul receive the Holy Spirit? I know it was Ananias prayed for him later on, blah, blah. But when did he receive it? The moment that light shone and he realized that what it is, it is, and what it ain't, it ain't. And what he needs is what he needs and what's something bigger and more powerful than him. And he said, Lord... What's going on? That's the moment. Huh? That's the moment. Wasn't well, that an anticlimactic day? Some of y'all keep waiting on the fulfillment days. You keep waiting on the big thing to drop. You need to start thanking God that you fell off your donkey. Every day you don't have confidence in your donkey, you should be thanking God. Every day he rips away another thing that you used to think was all the answers, you should be thanking God. Because in that moment, the moment you have that revelation, you're filled with what is the answer. That moment. 
we don't even understand 100% guaranteed and reliable like God understands it. We can't even begin to comprehend it. His whole thing is just, if you can just think right, if you can just get the right thoughts, if you can just get, if you can begin to just grasp, if you can just begin to just get a mustard seed of faith that I am who I say I am, then that's all it takes to have it all. Saul, still breathing threats, knocked off his donkey and changed in a moment. Some of y'all, you got people that are getting knocked off their donkey. Some of y'all got family members, you got children that are gonna be knocked off their donkey. Suddenly it's gonna take place. You need to just have the mustard seed. You just need to begin to have just a thought, just an idea that, that Satan doesn't even want you to have that thought. Because if you get that thought and you're soaking in that kingdom, that's, that kingdom's juice, like the kids said, is going to marinate that thought and you're going to be holy and completely a pickle. You're going to taste like the kingdom. You're going to smell like the kingdom. You're going to look like the kingdom. You're going to have everything that is in the kingdom. Whatever's in heaven is going to be in your life. Whatever's not in heaven is not going to be in your life. If you can only but believe, you shall receive. That's what it is. I got off my story, Acts chapter two, pillar of fire, cloven tongues, we can't handle it, okay? Sums it up. That's what I like to sum up every Sunday. Not the same thing, not trying to quantify and qualify our services by how many people did a certain manifestation. I just wanna leave here every single week knowing, knowing, knowing that we have been in the presence of God, that there's been an impartation in our lives and will never, ever be the same. Let's don't get caught up on what they did in Acts chapter two. Let's get caught up in what the results were. The miracle is not the tongue. The miracle is that people said, wait, I thought you were Galileans. But now we're not sure who y'all are. A transformation took place more than a tongue. Their lives were changed. Saul's become Paul's. Peter's become rocks. And lives are changed. And 3,000 people are added to the church because a group of 120 people sat in a room and said, we want it all. If you can use anything, God, you can use me. There's gotta be more. There's gotta be more. We're standing on the edge. And there's gotta be more. 
I see some of your kids, like in Acts chapter 12, verse 7, Peter is in jail. Peter's minding his own business. Peter's not in there trying to phone a friend and get out. Peter's not even like Paul and Silas worshiping God. It doesn't tell us what Peter's doing. It actually implies that Peter's not even aware of the presence of God and what God is doing in the moment. Because the angel comes into Peter's jail cell and shines a bright light. And that wasn't even enough for Peter. The angel literally had to hit Peter. Dude. I wonder if it was the same angel from Luke chapter 15 when there was a little boy that asked his dad for his inheritance because he didn't know better and he had a rebellious spirit and he ran out and he spent all his money and he ended up in a pig pen. I wonder if it was the same angel that tapped Peter on the side that said, hey boy, let's go home. Hey Peter, let's get out of this jail cell. I'm just sending angels right now. Would anybody agree with me? Let's send angels to lost loved ones right now. Lost sons and daughters right now. People in bondage. People in captivity. People that have lost their way right now. We just send angels. Contend with them. Shine a light on them. Let them see the error of their ways. And whatever it takes. If you've got to hit them, hit them. Because I'd rather them come away with a limp with their name changed from Jacob to Israel than to walk around striving, not knowing who they are all their days. Here's what I think is going to happen. Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas are in jail. About midnight, they're worshiping God. And when did it happen? Suddenly, the prison shook and all the cells are open. I just say, when the, when the cells open, for those lost loved ones, for those prodigals, for those family members, for those acquaintances, for those people we work with, when their cell opens, it's not just gonna be their cell, but it's gonna open the cells of all the people that are connected to them, all the people that are in the same jail as them, all the people that are in the same addiction as them. It's gonna be like wildfire. I see Knoxville burning and I see people free. And I see dead bones coming alive. Today. Literally, the worship preached my sermon. 
You want to know the points of my sermon? Do you know what Ezekiel 37 says? That when Ezekiel began speaking, suddenly the sound of bones coming together began to echo. Suddenly, suddenly, if May 10th ain't started for you yet, start speaking, and suddenly you'll make up for lost time. Because today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that dead bones come back to life. Today is the day that prison doors swing open. Today is the day that Saul's change their name and become Paul's and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. So they sang a song about dead bones coming to life. They sang a song in my father's house. Prison doors are open. They sang a song about graves changing into gardens. And they sang an impromptu song about casting our net and becoming fishers of men. You know what all those songs are? Pentecost. All those songs embody the prophetic word of the Lord to this body and the body of Christ abroad that now is the time. Do you know of all those things? The bones came to life suddenly. The prisons opened suddenly. Graves become gardens. You, I don't know if you believe me. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 1, uh, verse 2. Suddenly, the earth shook violently. Suddenly, suddenly. Suddenly, do not grow weary in doing good because suddenly the due season will arrive. Suddenly, you will receive the reward of your labor. Suddenly, you'll see the promises be fulfilled. Suddenly, it'll be just as he spoke to you and you received it and you believed it and you will own it and you will possess it. Faith is the substance, the deed, the title of what you hope for. You own it as soon as you believe it. It may take time for the paperwork to get filled out. It may take time to set up a closing date. But the moment I say, it's mine, it's mine. I told you I didn't work too hard, Diana. I still got gas in the tank. (laughs) 
I'm gonna come up here and cock that crack this afternoon, now. Jean said, no, you're not, it's Mother's Day. What will you dare to believe God for? That's the answer to the question that you've been asking. God, what are you able to do? He didn't go up to blind men and say, hey, am I able to heal you? Help my insecurity. I need a little confidence builder before I attempt this miracle. He went up to him and said, what can you believe me for? What would you have me to do? He asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? That's the questions we have to answer if we're going to see dead bones live again. That's the questions we have to answer if we're going to see pillars of fire and tongues engulfing us is we have to believe it's possible. And not some firm ideas that we grasp about what's possible. We have to get to the place where it's the possible is above all that we could possibly ask or imagine. Could you ever leave a service and feel like if you got any closer, you couldn't stand it? Yes. Could you ever not be able to stand, literally could not stand in the presence of God? Absolutely. Now, do I want to get on Facebook after services and qualify our service by how many people laid down on the floor? No. Does that mean it's not possible and it's not God and it's not real? Absolutely not. God. Can everybody just lift your hands where you are? God, I don't know when the suddenly starts. <laughs> but I'm ready for that little time to happen. And whenever the suddenly happens, what that suddenly moment I'm asking to hold is more than I ever asked or thought or even imagined. I'm ready to lay down all of my preconceived ideas all of my preconceived timetables, all of my man's logic, and I'm ready to sit figuratively in a room, no matter how long it takes, until the moment comes that makes me forget how long it took.
And in that moment, I don't want to bring to you a partial vessel. I don't want to bring to you a little cubby that I've cleared out for you in the corner of my life. If they couldn't contain it in Acts chapter 2, if they couldn't bear it, then I want to live in the space. I want to live in the opportunity. I want to live in the moment. I want to live in the relationship. I want to live in the intimacy. I want to live in the soaking. I want to live in the fellowship to the capacity that all of my space is your space. You can have it all. All of me for all of you. How many people know that's impossible? All of God can't go in all of us. Except for with God, all things are possible. So God, somehow the vastness of who you are, your kingdom, and all of what's contained in it. The place you've prepared for us, you've promised in us to prepare a place for you. If we would yet surrender. Today we surrender. All of me for all of you. Holding nothing back. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.